Welcome. My name is Christopher Peter and I am the political economist, investor, and podcaster behind the original content you will experience on the Christopher Peter Review in this podcast series. As a political economist, I aim to find ideas that can create the greatest amount of good for the greatest number of people. I review salient current events and discuss the impact these events have on our public policy, our economic outcomes, and our overall society and what is the optimal approach. My thoughts on the practice of accommodating both sides. While there is a great deal of rhetoric in saying what you mean, being bold in your words, and saying the uncomfortable truths, the reality is people do not like conflict or confrontation. Or at the very least, the consequences from them. So we see people always try to walk on eggshells to not offend or be perceived offending one side or the other. Not every issue is black or white. Where the facts, evidence, or data suggest 100% culpability on one side or the other. In many cases, there was wrong on both sides, just one side went well beyond the realm of acceptable behaviors and must be held to account for that. But there are some issues where that line crossing went so far that it no longer matters the wrong on both sides, the side that did the unthinkable abandons any realm of consideration and must be held to account or bear the entire blame for the situation. For too long, the tension in the Middle East has been treated with the both sides paradigm. The facts that only one side is truly perpetrating murders, rape, and terrorism. Only one side is calling for and perpetrating the genocide of the other. Israel is not the party to blame. They are the side being attacked and harmed by the constant actions by Palestinian groups and others. And we see clearly that many other nations in the region may still hold generational bigotry and hate by being extremely slow to denounce the actions of Hamas. The both sides argument does not really hold when there is only one side committing atrocities. The situation is raising concerns about our own border security challenges. But should also raise concerns of where we source our energy from and who we support. The Iran deal in terms of the recent prisoner exchange are looking extremely bad right now. Really the Iran deal is something that never should have occurred. Those on the left really have a flawed theory that you can pay people to be good people. If you give a terrorist nation like Iran money, then it will stop being the leading backer of terrorism in the region. When in fact, it will just use that money to fund terrorism. But they promise not to. They lied. Obviously. The liberal elite should be smart enough to know better. The facts, evidence, and data is indisputable. We cannot show any support for Iran and others in the region. We must rethink who we source oil from. The only true ally in the region is Israel. Saudi Arabia too, but they have been shaky in their record lately. Ending domestic production is looking like a really bad policy right now. Like so many decisions made by this administration. My thoughts on the cheating scandal plaguing the University of Michigan. Each time there is a scandal reported in sports, I ask myself a few questions. First, from what was reported, could the action that is prescribed as cheating actually impact the integrity of the game or outcomes of individual contests? Does the action really matter in the grand scheme? Are there explicitly written rules prohibiting the action or is it just behavior frowned upon? Also, what can be done to enforce the potential bans, make the action unneeded, or is it just an honor system kind of thing? For instance, I am not as strongly opposed to letting Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens into the Hall of Fame as other baseball fans are. I am a big fan of baseball and value its history, which is what makes baseball fun for me because its records are truly hard to break due to the sport's longevity. But I do not feel like the players who played in an environment where steroids or performance-enhancing drugs were not explicitly banned were as egregious as players who were banned under the current testing system, who seemed to get less scrutiny than Bonds and Clemens. Now, back to Michigan. The scandal as reported is that a staffer or football analyst Connor Stallions, who is now under paid suspension, 
is accused of paying at least three individuals a collective sum of $15,000 to attend games of Big Ten opponents and other teams and tape the games in a manner where signs communicated to players could be seen. Therefore, the recordings could be matched up with legitimate game film to determine what plays could be run simply by seeing the signals coming from the sideline. The NCA explicitly prohibits the use of video or audio technology in the recording of opponents' signals and advanced scouting of college opponents. The ban has been in place longer than Stallions has been alive, so there really is no excuse for Stallions or the people involved to deny they knew the rule existed. Now, a legitimate question is whether enforcement is actually a thing or if they simply were the party that was caught with their hand in the cookie jar. Now comes the question of whether the scheme actually benefited the outcomes of the Michigan games and if it raises questions on the legitimacy of the Big Ten competition. There were different takes on this aspect. NFL Hall of Famer Deion Sanders raised a great point in the fact that a team may know your game plan but there is nothing they can do to stop it. Many voices pointed out that some offensive or defensive systems are so vanilla but executed to perfection that makes them unstoppable. So knowing the signals would not actually be a benefit. One of the greatest college coaches of all time Nick Saban spoke about the issue being prevalent in the NFL during his time with the Browns, where the information was a hindrance not really a help. But there are reasonable assumptions that certain plays could be completely made ineffective if the defense was able to determine when it was coming and actually had a plan in place. Imagine some of the great innovative plays that might have been defended better if a defense was able to know it was coming from a formation that may look like a ho-hum everyday one. That could eliminate a couple plays here or there. Possibly enough to push a close game in favor of the Wolverines. So there potentially could be an impact on the outcomes of games. Coach Saban also provided the potential solution that I think many agree with. College football should mimic the NFL and allow electronic transmission of play calling on the offensive and defensive side. That is a reasonable accommodation to address the issue. There is a cost issue. But not one that makes it prohibitive to implement. I am sure that there are some ways to fundraise to afford teams the ability to operate these systems and divert some of the massive television revenues to offset the cost. Is the scandal a big deal? I do think the NCAA does have to implement a strong-handed punishment to set the table for the next program to get caught and receive a stiffer penalty. Rules or laws are not that if they are not enforced. Compliance is important to ensure appropriate behavior and that everyone operates under the same set of rules. For the staffer, from what I read it seemed like he loved the program and had a vision for his potential future career. There is always pressure from people to find any path to the top or to advance from where they are to where they want to be. But you should be accountable when you are caught taking shortcuts, especially ones that are explicitly against the rules. No program should hire him after this scandal. Or at least for some time. I do not accept the excuse that everyone is doing it. You were the one not able to avoid detection. He might not be the ringleader of the scandal, like the media is portraying him to be. Who knows? He may simply be the convenient scapegoat. Hopefully he learns from this. I know there will be emotions for coach Jim Harbaugh, the Michigan players, and the program. But that is what happens when you operate in what you think is the gray area. You allow things to go on that are not on the up and up, or you do not have institutional control. In any organizational environment, the excuse that the leader did not authorize the bad behavior is a justifiable excuse. There are great perks with being the CEO and one of the drawbacks is complete accountability for the actions of your subordinates. They are a big program with a rich history. The NCAA needs to show that the elites are not going to get away with bad behavior. Michigan is not the only one doing this. But they were the ones caught. Unfortunately for them, they got caught. Thank you for experiencing this special content on the Christopher Peter Review. Please continue to visit daily for more content. Thank you and talk to you tomorrow.